Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and on this episode, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to take a trip back in time. We're not talking about music this time, although I see people are revisiting our 80s music episode and our 90s music episode, so maybe you're preparing in some way for this episode, because we're going to be talking about 80s television. I don't know, you know. I, there was a TikTok that was talking about Sages and how Sages just randomly break into song. And I can, and it's very accurate because I randomly start singing things for no reason. You're welcome. Uh, but I am joined by an amazing uh, panel today. They're returning from our Wednesday pop culture and fandom news episodes. So I have Carla from Bed, Wet, or Behead, Danelle, and Tiff. And of course, Carla and Tiff are also two members of the Saxy Ladies crew as well. So I'm very excited to have all three of you here to talk about 80s television. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. So Carla, and remember, it's okay if we repeat because there could be different reasons people love these. But Carla, what are three of your favorite television comedies and or sitcoms? And the reason I put it kind of separate is sometimes, I don't know why, I just think of them as kind of (laughs) different from each other in ways. But, you know, the 80s was the height of the sitcom, really, I think. So what were three of your favorites? When, when I was doing my prep for this, I was like, why are so many of my favorite sitcoms from the 80s from like 87 on? And it's like, oh, duh, that's around when I got here. So like naturally. So then I thought, okay, but it doesn't just have to be American shows. You know, what did I watch growing up as a little tiny baby in Mexico? So. A classic one that almost every Latinx kid grew up watching at some point or another, or was exposed to at some point or another, is El Chavo del Ocho. And El Chavo del Ocho, it's, well, first of all, it's from a sketch show called Chespirito. And this one guy, Roberto Bolaños, played like a whole bunch of different characters in in Chespirito. He was El Chavo del Ocho, which is Okay, right. Like, okay, looking at it now, it's kind of weird and awful. But back then, it was the thing, and it was what everybody watched and loved. But El Chavo del Ocho is like an eight-year-old unhoused kid who lives in a barrel in this like neighborhood, and the adults are kind of mean to him. And he has friends that he plays with, and he's constantly trying to steal food because, again, he's homeless and hungry. And he's like always dirty and everything, but it was like the the big hit show, and we all watched it growing up. So hey, <laughs> that's just what we watched. But it, it uh, he also played um, a character called Chapulín Colorado, and a chapulín is basically like a grasshopper. So it's like the red grasshopper. And he was a, a superhero. So it's this, this, so he's dressed in this red 
outfit, like a spandex outfit with like yellow shorts. And on his chest, instead of the S for Superman, it's like a heart with CH for Chapulín. And he has like this this red mallet and antennae. And, and one of the things that, that's really funny now, because I didn't realize this at the time, is that it's almost a direct ripoff of the Spanish Inquisition guys from Monty Python. <laughs> because <laughs> he jumps in and one of his catchphrases is, no contaban con mi astucia. Like you, you weren't counting on my audacity or my whatever, my amazingness. And it's like, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. So, you know, a lot of the things that, that I, I go back and watch and I go back and watch those sketches. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. All right. Okay. I understand. I understand now. There were other characters in there too. All of the character names that uh, all of the characters that he played, their names started with CH because it's Chespirito and El Chavo del Ocho and Chapulín and all of the, that stuff. So that's just one funny thing. So, yeah, it, it ran from 1980 to 1995. It was ubiquitous from Mexico all the way down to probably Argentina, around the world. People know who, who Chespirito is and, you know, especially down here in South Florida. My son and I both have Chapulín shirts. It's just like a red shirt with the yellow heart that says CH. And every now and then you'll get like a nod of recognition of like, oh, Chespirito. I'm like, yes, of course. Duh. Another show that I used to watch as a kid in 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 Mexico was Cachun Cachun Rara. And that show, I, I loved it, okay? It, it was, it started in 81. I forget how many seasons it had. But, oh, okay, so it went from 1981 to 1987. And it's set in a high school. Not a single actor was near high school age. But you didn't care because it's hilarious. And I'm trying to remember if they ever graduated. Because, again, this show ran for, like, six, seven years. Did they ever graduate? I don't know. But it was just a lot of fun. You know, like, they don't need to. They look the same age all the time because they are old as hell. And there, there were a lot of, of, of actors from that show who went on to become, you know, big deals in soap operas and in their own shows and, and just through pop culture and cinema and things like that. But, you know, I, I was like a tiny kid watching this. Um, it came out when I was like, what, four, five? I don't know, math, whatever. I was, uh, uh, you know, under five when it came out. But, you know, I grew up watching it because my mom watched it and I loved it. I had a big crush on this one guy, Lenguardo, who um, who stuttered because I stuttered when I was little. And also he was just cute and funny and nice and probably me mediocre because we know that's my type. <laughs> As we have established, that's just how I do. But I, I love the show. I used to just look forward to watching it so much in part because it was, you know, time with my mom, but also it was just a, a fun show. I realized that there are some episodes on YouTube recently. So I started watching it again. And I was like, wow, this show is so cheesy, but I still love it. I mean, it's an 80s show about high schoolers. It's not going to be like award winning stuff here. 
but it was still a lot of fun. It was so, so much fun. And it was like so cool to go back and see and be like, oh my God, I remember this guy from when he played somebody's grandfather in something else, you know, 85,000 years later, because it's how, how long 1981 feels like now. But yeah, just like so many of the, of the, the characters. Oh, the ones who were supposed to be like all cool and hot and whatever. I was always like, they're okay. And of course I was always like, like the, the dorky ones that I was like, oh, hi. How you doing? Or, como estas tu? Because I, because I spoke Spanish exclusively. And then the, the third show that I'll, that I'll mention. And this one, yes, I didn't come here until the late eighties, but my dad, he brought to Mexico a VCR in 1984. And with the VCR, he brought us some tapes of this show that he recorded for us because he, you know, we're growing up in, in Mexico in the, in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. We're not exactly being exposed to a lot of black people, right? Cause, you know, that just in, in my town, it, it, the, the whole game was like my family and one other family and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all you got. So my dad started recording the Cosby show so that we could see, you know, black people living and doing stuff. So that, that was a show that, yes, I know Cosby is problematic as hell, like beyond problematic. He's a horrible person, but the show still holds a special place in my heart and in my family's heart because it was something that my dad took the time and decided this, this is what I want my kids to see. And, you know, brought a device for us to be able to see it and record it, which, you know, if you were, um, especially before you could program a VCR to record stuff for you, you had to sit there and intentionally record stuff. So um, a lot of the cultural references that I get, not only from the Cosby show, but also from commercials from the eighties come from my dad's taped versions of the Cosby show. So the only reason I know about so many like <laughs> toys and, food ads and stuff like that from the early eighties is because of those commercials. Like, you know, they, they live in my head forever. Like there's Pillsbury commercials. But anyway, back to the Cosby show. We're here to talk about eighties TV, not eighties ads. That's a whole other show. <laughs> but yeah, um, seeing this family that is so happy together and they're, they're so fun and so great. And the mom is so gorgeous and fun and, you know, amazing and everything like that. And like the, the one son is so cute and adorable and like they have all of these funny things that go on and they're black. So it was just a, a really good thing for us to, to watch. And it still means a lot to me now. Yeah. Someday we definitely will have to talk about the, the, the Cosby show during one of our comedy months. And then um, we did talk about a different world too, just, you know, as like the spinoff there. So Danelle, what are three of yours? Trying to pick three was so hard because <laughs> there were so many great ones. Oh my gosh. The Cosby show is definitely one of my, my favorites. I just, I have a lot of love and, and good memories of that show, you know, and of course we know what a awful <laughs> person um, he turned out to be, but you know, for that time he was everybody's, you know, dad, you know, he was like America's dad and the kids were our siblings, you know, we love that show. And, they were just a, a wholesome everyday family, you know? And in fact, Malcolm Jamal Warner is one of my favorite celebrities that I ever met. And he's, he's an absolute sweetheart. So shout out to him. He came and spoke when I was at 
Metro in Denver. And um, I got the pleasure of speaking with him afterwards and he's just a class act. So love him. And who didn't love Felicia Rashad? I mean, just a picture of elegance and grace and just gorgeous lady. And, you know, just the show was fun. It was fun. I mean, who didn't, whose dad didn't say, I brought you into this world. I'm going to take it. I can take you out. Like who did not hear that after that was on that show? I mean, there were so many great memories. Um, The Facts of Life is still one of my all-time favorites as a a young girl growing up in the 80s. um, Totally could relate to those girls on that show. And Mrs. Garrett, who didn't love her. Three's Company is another one that was one of my all-time favorites. Gosh, different strokes. It it goes on and on. Perfect Strangers, I still say, son of a motherless goat. And if anybody, like, you get bonus points. I actually said that at work and my coworkers started laughing so hard on a Zoom call because I said, son of a motherless goat. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I had to explain. But there was just so many good ones. I mean, so many, so many good ones. Yeah, lots of great For Perfect Strangers, my family would always say, I have, oh no, a plan. (laughs) A plan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, God, I just, uh, the family ties. Yeah. Just silver spoons. I, I could go on. Like, great. Yeah, it's great. not fair. Aaron, it's not fair. <laughs> but yeah, there's, a, I have a whole list of, I mean, I watched them all. Like, I just, I watched so many of them. I've looked at lists and I'm like, God, I watched that one, that one, that one. You know, so. Yeah, good times. Yeah, and there's one you forget about, and then they come back to you when you look at that. Oh, yeah, I did watch that one. Yeah. So, Tiff, what are three of your favorites? So I won't repeat the ones that Carla and Danelle said, because I totally agree. Baruki Motokumus is one of my favorite characters of all the time. Of all time. <laughs> Especially, I like the uh, beginning when he's on the back of the cart. <laughs> It says America or bust on it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I won't say that, but um, I'll go with the Golden Girls because I don't think that you can, you aspire to close friendships with women and you look at them as, as the template for that. They were, I mean, they were so, and then you look at the way they were dressed. They were like walking around like you're, glamorous and you're at home i'm sitting around in sweats and, sweat. <laughs> and here comes here comes blanche in her little kitten heels <laughs> with her silk and satin lounge set on and i'm like man i need to get me a silk and satin lounge set. <laughs> and it was hilarious though because i told i was showing um dear daughter we were talking about like the differences between people in like what is age 55 now in you know this millennium versus what was 55 in the 80s i was like it was a lot different i was like you were like grandma level in the 80s when it came to that so i pulled it up so there was um an instagram post of uh regina hall and sanaa lathan and now they're both 52 gorgeous they look like they're literally like in their mid to late 30s right so I'm like, look, they're 52. And then I pull up the Golden Girls and I'm like, <laughs> they were 55, 55, and 53. <laughs> She's like, 
no. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, it's, so it's interesting to see the difference between the two of that. I'm also going to go with who's the boss because I loved the dynamic of that. Here you have a male housekeeper, you know, you're flipping the trope, right? You have the male housekeeper and you have the, the like the woman who is the boss. Like she is la jefe. She is, <laughs> she is making the money. She's running things. And you know, they, yeah, they eventually, if they don't do a whole lot of will they, won't they? It's like when they get together, they get together. And that's that on that. And let's not forget um, Mona. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you're going to be a, you know, a fierce and fabulous 60 plus, Mona is your, that's your template right there. <laughs> and my last one, let's do growing pains. I, yes. And we all know Kirk Cameron is extremely problematic, but he was very cute as as Mike Seeger. He <laughs> was extremely cute on that show. Just, I mean, just a really cute family. Just a, a just a cute family, and they they tackled some. It was very much a comedy, but they tackled some, you know, some themes of the week, some serious themes. I remember when what was the daughter's name Carol. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When Carol had a was going down the path of like an eating disorder, and she was exercising too much and, you know, she passed out <clears throat> because she wasn't eating and she was exercising too much. So she was like kind of heading toward that anorexic, you know, like really, really kind of skirting that line. And yeah, I mean, I thought they handled it, you know, as 80 shows will do, there was a resolution because you have a 30 minute show. So, you know, there's going to be a resolution within that 30 minutes, but I, I really loved it. I thought the family, I thought the Seekers were really cute. And, Alan Thicke apparently was like a great guy on set and off set. He was, he was, you know, very well respected, you know, RIP for that. And as a little side note, do you know, he hosted the American aerobic competition, the <laughs> national aerobic competition. Look it up on YouTube. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. It is the best thing ever. You have to watch it. It is so funny. Yes. It used to, oh it used to air on USA Network because I watched it. <laughs> I'm looking that up now. <laughs> it's amazing. It is so good. Because yeah, aerobics were huge. That was a big thing in the eighties, man. They were they wore mashing, <laughs> you know, mashing uh, uniforms. So you had all those leotards and like jumpsuits and stuff. And I mean, a bunch of men. There you go. Danelle's got it. <laughs> 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 so fun so fun 80s television was fun like yes I feel like we're so into like prestige tv which can be a real downer and like very mopey at times now but 80s tv was fun yeah it's cheesy as i get out but it's fun who doesn't want to watch aerobics like i mean in a competition setting exactly. <laughs> it's so i know i want to watch it all the time all you should probably set up a streaming channel for this. <laughs> yeah. Dream makers. Make dreams. Dream makers. Yeah. <laughs> for aerobics. <laughs> yeah. And jazzercise and stuff, you know? I Oh my gosh, I loved jazzercise. 
yeah. How could you forget the Richard Simmons videos? Oh, yes. Yes. Those were hilarious. They're fun. Yes. I think I have one still (laughs) on a VHS. I kid you not. It's somewhere. Oh. (laughs) And I'm going to be repeating some of them. but, uh, But yeah, and with the Kirk Cameron thing, Yes, it, what a douchebag, horrible, awful person. But when I was young, he was one of my first crushes. I had like pictures of him from Teen Beat, like and Tiger Beat, all those up on my wall. So yeah. <laughs> Number one for me, and I'm thinking we might actually cover this next year as part of our comedy things, is Family Ties. Family Ties is number, number, number one. And I rewatched it. I don't know if it's still on Paramount Plus, but it was on Paramount Plus and you can rewatch the seasons there. And while there are of course problematic things, all these shows have very problematic things in them. It was just such a fun dynamic to watch because it was very true to, you know, Gen X. Uh, you know, a lot of Gen X people grew up with parents that were from the 60s and were like hippies and stuff. And then dealing with that and the dynamics of then their kids in a totally different kind of world in a world basically that was, you know, very materialistic and stuff. And that's a lot of what this was about. And of course it gave us Michael J. Fox, who, when the show started, I know there was a lot of like a lot of the cast was a little bit like, especially Meredith Baxter, Bernie was really upset because the show started just focusing on him and the kids a lot more, but that's because that's what the, where the draw was. But, you know, he took a character that Alex P. Keaton is a horrible, horrible person. But, oh, my gosh, did I love it when I was a kid. And Michael J. Fox was my first, very first celebrity crush. I had such a crush on him. And he was so good. He was so good at the physical comedy. Every, You know, even adding some heart, there's a great episode, the very special episode of Family Ties, where he loses a friend. A friend dies in a car accident. and they do this whole, that's like part two of it where he's basically going to go see a therapist, but they set it up like they're on a stage, like in theater. And it's like kind of like black box kind of thing. And it's so good. I mean, seriously, go watch that. Just even that one. And the performance by Michael J. Fox is just award worthy, really. I mean, he's so, so good in that episode. And so I really, really highly recommend that one. But yeah, I love Family Ties. That'll always be Probably my absolute favorite show from the 80s as far as like what it meant personally to me. It was just one of those that I just had to watch all the time. And so I'm going to keep a theme here of the family sitcom because that was a huge thing in the 80s anyway. I mean, we've mentioned a bunch of them already. But and we covered this a a couple of years ago. And that's Married with Children, which started in the late 80s and was a reaction to the Cosby show and, you know, and family ties and all of these that were like had a really perfect, great family. Of course, this family is horrible. You don't want to be like the Bundys. You don't want to. But they were so much fun to watch and the performances were great. And oh, my gosh, it just, yes, lots of horrible things in that show, of course. But it was just like you hadn't really seen a lot of that before on television. And um, so it was just, it was a lot of fun. So go listen to our episode. I won't get too much into that one. And then um, lastly, and I was torn between three shows. And so I'm going to mention the one that hasn't been mentioned yet. And that is, um, and talk about a problematic person, but that's Roseanne because Roseanne, to me, the reason I loved Roseanne was because I didn't grow up 
in like a house that was reminiscent. Even though I loved family ties, I couldn't imagine living in a house that amazing. And so I didn't grow up with that. I didn't grow up with like a lot of a lot of money and it was a lot of, you know, struggling and stuff like that. And so to see a family that, you know, really represented that was a big deal at that time. So that's why I loved it. And I loved the the dynamic between everybody and how it felt a lot more real and the arguing and um the struggles and um yeah, the show went downhill big time, especially when they won the when they won the lottery, the show just was ruined because you just it just ruined that dynamic. And then to have Dan cheat on Roseanne. Dan would never cheat on Roseanne. Dan was Dan was like the dream husband in a lot of respects. I loved Dan so much. And he put up with a lot because Roseanne was kind of a bitch, to be quite frank. And you know, so he put up with a lot and he was a great, great father and a great husband. And to have him cheat on Roseanne was one of the worst things that show ever did. I will never forgive them for making Dan a jerk. He just wasn't a jerk. I'm not saying he didn't have jerky moments because he definitely did. He definitely had those, you know, I have my shotgun father moments that I hate that kind of thing. So he did have that, but he was still a great, a great person. And he, gave a lot, you know, and so he wouldn't have done that. He loved Roseanne so much. And he, you know, also the great thing about that show is you saw people who were not stick figures who looked like what a lot of people looked like. And, you know, you also saw them have sex scenes and be hot for each other. And that's why, you know, Dan was very, 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 you know, attracted to his wife, all versions of her. So that's why it just Dan would not do that. I maintain that to this day. Never, never. Um, but yeah, so that's my list. Okay, so we're going to move on to dramas. <laughs> so Carla, three of your favorite dramas. The Wonder Years was such a good show, <laughs> even though I frequently ended up in tears. And it had such a great opening song i like this version more than the one by the beatles like i'm sorry but you know you're not gonna top that version i don't care i don't care like love a little hell without me that's right (laughs) yeah like that show was so good that's yeah there's something about i mean you gotta give me bob Seger. sorry (laughs) just like wasn't it jim croce Sorry, wait. I thought Bob Seger did. No, maybe it was somebody else. No. Hold on. I'm going to have to do some investigating. While you investigate, I'll tell you why I love the Wonder Years. Obviously, I loved, you know, Fred Savage as Kevin Arnold. He was just adorable, like those unbelievably expressive eyebrows. And we were, I, I don't think we were that far apart in age. So, you know, watching that show, being young while he's being young, even though he's being young in the 60s. It's okay. It's fiction. So, you know, but whatever. It, it, it had so many great plot lines. Tiff, have you found the culprit? It is actually the one I always get Bob Seger mixed up with. Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Yes. Thank you. Joe Cocker. Yes. A hundred percent. Back to me in the studio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I should have known at this point something about myself because I loved both 
Fred Savage and Danica McKellar equally. I thought they were both super cute. And it just never registered to me. It was always like, oh, okay, Kevin Arlen, Ar- Arnold, whatever. But it was also Danica McKellar's character. I love them. I love Josh Saviano and his role. I thought they were like a great group of little kid friends. And the fact that the show broke my heart repeatedly, obsessively, doesn't change that. It was one of those shows that like lives on forever in my heart. And yeah, it was good stuff. The next show... I mean, the Star Trek. Okay, like Star Trek, the next generation, you had John Luke Picard, and you had Stryker, and you Riker, and you had um, even Wesley, whom I love because he was adorable, and I was adorably aged. So, you know, it just, again, mediocre white dudes. <laughs> Gotta start, I, I started young with my penchant for them. But and I, I I swear to God I had a crush on everybody in that show. Everybody on that show was unreasonably attractive in one way or another. Like I connected to everybody on that show on some level or another that made me like just get very invested emotionally in all of them to just again unreasonable degrees. But it, it, that show has retained its allure for a reason. It's just a damn good series, and it's well acted. It's well put together. It's um, it's mythos is so neatly wrapped that it makes you want to be part of that in some way or another. And that, that kind of, uh, feeling just remains through time and space. <laughs> and the shirt, the third show that I'll mention, again, a show in which you end up attracted to everybody, but that's, I think, by design in this case, 21 Jump Street. Oh my God. <laughs> 21 Jump Street. Come on. All right. Johnny Depp, before you knew that, that he was going to be a total scumbag. Richard Grieco in his hotness heyday. Holly Robinson before she was Holly Robinson Pete. And even the, the guy who was the, the main dude, the, the, the only one who couldn't pass for a teenager in that station. Everybody was hot, okay? Everybody was hot. It was a damn good show. It was entertaining. Okay, no, not damn good in like, oh, I should have won so many awards. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It was just terribly entertaining. It was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, you start to think to yourself, oh, could one of my classmates be like a really hot, like detective or something? And it's like, you shouldn't be thinking that because that's gross. That's an adult. <laughs> You're 14. Calm down. Go take a cold shower. But I just enjoyed it a lot. 21 Jump Street with the spray paint. (laughs) Yes, the graffiti. (laughs) I always thought how incongruous it was that it's graffiti and it's a show about cops. Like, are they going to arrest the person who made the logo? I don't understand what's going on here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that show. So, Danelle, what are three of your favorite dramas? This is hard. You're killing me with this only three. Um (laughs) It was so hard. Um, I think the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out there is Fame, and the reason why is because I was that theater kid. Um, I became obsessed with Fame. You know, here's where you start paying in sweat. Loved her in that role. I wanted her as a teacher. I wanted to go to Juilliard. I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed. Amazing, talented cast. The things that they did on that show were extraordinarily 
just gifted young talent. And, um, you know, who doesn't sing, you, you name these songs and you can't, like, there was no greater era for theme songs than in the eighties. Like I have, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I have like theme songs <laughs> in my head from 40 freaking years ago. True. You know, true. all I have to do is look, believe it or not. And everybody knows, right? Like greatest American <laughs> hero or, you know, yes. like all of those things. So anyway, the greatest theme song too. fame had a great theme song, amazing talent and cast. And it was diverse before that was a cool thing, right? Like we saw people from all walks of life, which was a beautiful thing. And it actually gave young artists, dancers, you know, actors, writers, musicians, a, a, a format, um, something to really aspire to and love. So I love that show. I watched it obsessively. Hill Street Blues was another one that was really great. Also had a great theme song. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, you know, and taglines, you know, let's be careful out there. Who doesn't remember that? I watched that with my family. You know, that was the one thing that was pretty cool, I think, in the 80s, is that there was these shows you could watch with your family, you know, with your parents. Like, you could just sit down and watch them. We watch all of those, like Dynasty, Dallas, and, you know, all that fun stuff together. And then the last one I'm going to pick would be quantum leap and i know it started at the very end of the 80s very <laughs> end of the 80s <laughs> but it was one of my favorites um <laughs> i was obsessed with quantum leap scott bacula was amazing the whole cast was amazing and it was just fun show it was a fun show you know and i even i remember they were doing some reruns and stuff of it and being in college and we would like plan our school schedule around it a group of us so that we could watch it in the like gathering area and we'd all watch quantum leap together before class so it was a lot of fun yeah and just really adventurous and and fun episodes and it, you know yeah just a nice let's get away you guys have mentioned some good ones too like i was thinking of star trek the next generation was one of my favorites too so so tiff what are three of your favorite dramas so you both took three of the ones that I was going to take, that I was going to say, but you know, that's fine. It's fine. You can repeat. <laughs> so, like I said, you can no, repeat. No, 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 no. We're going to go with something different. We're going to go something different. So we're not just all, you know, being magpies. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Knight Rider uh, oh, yeah. because, you know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that starting sound. And then Kent with his love that. And I got to sit and I told this to your listeners before, but I got to sit in Kit when I was like four years old because they had Kit up at Universal Studios and my parents took me by. There's a picture somewhere. There's a picture somewhere. I don't know where it is because, you know, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> so there was like an actual picture, like a Polaroid. <laughs> so I don't know. It's probably an album at my parents' house, but there's four-year-old me and Kit said my name. So cool. I love that show though. Cause it is, I mean, it's, it, 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 it is like, Come on, a talking car, <laughs> a talking car that helps solve crime and fight crime. It suspends disbelief, but it's the 80s and we love it. So that's fine. I'm also going to go with the best mustache in Hollywood. 
<laughs> yes, Mr. Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. And those teeny tiny shorts. <laughs> God bless the aesthetic. And he wasn't, you know, it was, it was, you know, the thighs out. But, you know, I mean, the man was still like hairy. You know, these dudes now, they all, you know, they, they shave the wax or whatever. But Tom was like, you know what? You're going to get this hair stupidness. You're going to get this hair. You're going to love it. My mom totally had a crush on him. <laughs> My mother, I'm pretty sure all of our mothers, all of us of a certain age, all of our mothers who are of a certain age, loved Tom Selleck. They loved the stash. They loved the, the perm. And they loved those teeny tiny shorts. Okay. That, I mean, loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I mean, why do you think he was so popular as Richard and Friends? We, we all have those latent memories of those teeny tiny shorts. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's just like, okay, so I didn't know he was in Friends because I didn't watch Friends. So, <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but he is, yeah, he's one of those very, and he's one of those timeless actors that people still are like, yeah, they're like, fond memories. Huh. Tom, Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Selleck. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, good times, good times. Completely, once again, suspends disbelief. A private eye living in, uh, in Hawaii who's driving a <laughs> Lamborghini. Because that makes sense. That makes complete and total sense. Yeah, why not? I mean, because everybody knows private eyes make a ton of money. <laughs> a ton of money. <laughs> and so, and my final one is going to be, I guess I had a theme. I'm going with all of the private eyes and crime fighters. Let's go with Miami Vice and Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> let's, let's say this. Philip Michael Thomas and Don Johnson gave us all of the looks. All of the looks. I don't know any single detective who was out there wearing those. I mean, like literally like wearing Gucci, <laughs> wearing, you know, like these fabulous threads. Like, where did you get? I know you're in Miami. But where did you get this money, sir? Where did you get this money? Fantastic, though. All the pastels, the entire color scheme, the colors, the aesthetic of Miami Vice is I think what brings me like this level of nostalgia. Not a great show. Not a great show. No. But is it fun? And is it fun to watch? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, I mean, and a great partner dynamic. That's another thing. We had super duper great partner dynamics in shows in the 80s. Moonlighting. Remington Steel. Cagney and Lacey. Yeah, Remington Steel. Yeah, a lot of a lot of super great cop buddy buddy shows that had just fantastic character dynamic to it, and not always like of a romantic sort. I know Moonlighting, obviously they got together, but not always just. I mean, literally just like we're we're bros, we're sisters from you know another Mister. Just awesome. So I had a theme too. Yay! <laughs> yes, yes, my um. I will always think of my dad with Miami Vice because Miami Vice was like one of those shows that he like in he always had to watch. He was like obsessed with that show. And it wasn't like he dressed like them. It was just he was obsessed with it. But I know a lot of men did. And the whole white jacket and 
pushing up the sleeves and the no socks and the yes, yes, just a, a look. L e w k. It was it was a look. I mean, oh. it really was a shining thing. It was a look. It was yes. Everybody knows who it is when somebody comes to like yeah. a costume party dressed like that. You know who it is. You don't think of anything else. You think of Miami, but you're yeah. like, oh, I got it. There's there's no mistake. Yeah. And because Tiff is going to have to leave us soon. I do, before I get to my three dramas, I do want to know, Tiff, because this is our next category. I want you to get a chance to say this. What are your three, three of your favorite, either cartoons or other kids shows, if you have them? I do. And this was really, really hard because I, you know, obviously I was a, you know, but a wee young lass in the eighties and cartoons were my jam. And that's what I was, that's what I was doing on a daily basis. So, so, um, first up is Jim, J E M, Jim. And I mean, like, yes, yes. Jim and the holograms, a character who is like, you know, just a regular schmegular, you know, fun girl during the daytime, but then she clicks her earrings and she turns into Jim. She's got hot pink hair and she's got a star makeup drawn on her eye. Fantastic. Oh, I love Jim so much. One of the greatest. I'm also going to go with She-Ra. See, I had a cousin. My late cousin was three years older than me and he watched He-Man. So in retaliation, I'm like, no, She-Ra is a lot better. <laughs> She-Ra, princess of the universe. I mean, you can't get much better than that. She had the armor. She had a sword. I'm. T- Come on now. She was like a, she was like a Wonder Woman. You know, honestly, she was like a Wonder Woman. So just, just fantastic. And um, my last one, I'm going to go with DuckTales because I haven't gotten a chance to watch the reboot, which everybody says is really good. Like it's in the same vein as the original, just with, you know, modernized kind of themes and stuff like that. But so much fun. Everybody, you think of Scrooge McDuck and it's like, you think of like this miserable, crusty, <laughs> old duck of a dude, a duck of a, of a male mallard, <laughs> male poultry. <laughs> and, and, but he, yes, he's, yes, he's old and he's rich, but he's also fun. Like he really loves his nephews. He loves Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And I'm not a huge fan of, of Donald Duck. So I'm glad that they bring him in very sparingly in DuckTales. Like he's sometimes there and then he's sometimes like just completely off screen. I love DuckTales. It, it was one of my favorites. It used to come on after school and it was just so great. So, so great. So those are my three. Um, and Aaron, I don't know if I can do this, but I did, I did uh, six degrees of fins. So I don't yes. know if you want yes, me to please. do it. Okay. Here we go. Alana de la Garza was in Mr. Fix-It with David Boreanaz, who was in Bones with Emily Deschanel, who was in Animal Kingdom with Ellen Barkett, who was in Ocean's 13 with George Clooney, who was in Up in the Air with Vera Farmiga, who's in Origin, which comes out this year, came out this year with Finn Whitrock. Yay! <laughs> I love that one. And I'm sure we're going to do something about that movie <laughs> next year. Or this I have year. to watch it. Yes. It's on my list. Yeah, it's yeah, on my it's list. It's supposed so. to be yeah. fantastic. But Yay. 
I had a fantastic time. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to tell everybody where they could find you, but. Yes. Who is stiff is me. Find me on mostly discord. I'm hanging out with the sexy ladies, hanging out with the Insta fandom thing or pod people. And we're not really. Like (laughs) that came out wrong. (laughs) I'm hanging out with the, it's a fandom thing pod folks. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. Just give me a shout. If you need to reach me, Um, let's connect. Let's be symbiotic folks. Gotta go. Bye. Bye. Okay. So I'll go to my three dramas that I had. And this was really hard for me. But number one is Moonlighting. Moonlighting, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on one of our pop culture fandom news episodes. You can finally stream Moonlighting on Hulu. And this was also the very first, you know, ship for me. And this is why I love the enemies to lovers trope so dang much is because of Maddie and David. Loved the show so much. It was so entertaining. It was also funny. It also pushed the envelope. So I won't say much more about it, but yeah, I loved that one. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to play piano. I wanted to be a teacher. And I also wanted to be a lawyer. And I wanted to do all of this at the same time because for some reason I thought this would be extremely possible. And a big reason I wanted to be a lawyer was because of LA law. And I thought, that lawyers, that's what they did, is they got to just stand there in court and be very dramatic and do dramatic speeches. And that's how you, that's what you do as a lawyer. But my mom worked as a paralegal in an immigration law firm. And very quickly, the lawyers there went, Aaron, Aaron, this is not what being a lawyer is. (laughs) So they broke, they broke my heart into a million different pieces. They're like, Hey, we love this show too, but being a lawyer is a lot about paperwork and very little of it is spent in a courtroom. And when you are in a courtroom, it's very boring and everything. But I I lived in this fantasy world of, it was the actor in me, of LA Law and that you got to give these big speeches and be very dramatic and it was, and you were saving the day all the time. Plus, it was LA and I was obsessed with LA and New York because of being obsessed with acting. I was also obsessed with fame, Danelle. I was, that was like, I wanted to live in that world. But yeah, so that's why I loved LA law. And that's what made me want to become a lawyer very briefly. I gave up that dream a long, long, long time ago. And because, you know, I learned from so many lawyers, that was not the way it was to law, to law, to law in the world. <laughs> that's not the way you law. You don't do it the L.A. way. <laughs> That's not lying. I don't know. Uh, but I do remember one 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 episode, one moment in that show that will always stick out to me. And it, it really, in a scary way, it was a moment in television that actually scared me, was there's a scene, I cannot remember now which character it is, where they're standing and the elevator doors open and they're not looking. And they step and the elevator's not there, like it didn't come up, and they fall down the elevator shaft and die. It was so freaky as a kid. I remember this scene so vividly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how often does that happen? (laughs) It was shocking. I remember it was like a shocking moment in television. (laughs) It happens all the time to Dr. Drake (laughs) Ramore. It's true. I swear they took that from that episode. (laughs) They're like, this is something that happens. The the LA lying people said it happened all the time. <laughs> uh, it's 
because I'll never forget being heartbroken learning that's not what law really is about. <laughs> and then lastly, and this is, a, a I loved doctor shows too, and Sane Elsewhere, which Sane Elsewhere also gave us some great, great actors. Denzel Washington, hello. Howie Mandel. I actually really loved Howie Mandel in this show. When he would do, like, he did his, and I know it was part of his stand-up routine, but he did his whole thing with the glove, the latex glove, and he blowed up like a turkey kind of thing. And I used to love that. And um, Ed Bagley Jr. And this was like ER before ER, honestly. I don't think you would have had ER without staying elsewhere. It was very much a blueprint for that. And it dealt with a lot of, um, a lot of like very, heavy hitting stuff. And it was like kind of ahead of its time in some respects. Um, and of course, probably the person that everybody like had a crush on from this was Mark Harmon, who was like huge in the eighties and stuff. But yeah, I loved saying elsewhere too. And it's funny because I watched these shows as a young kid and I don't know if I quite grasped everything that went on in these shows, but, <laughs> but they were exciting, <laughs> especially when they're lying around. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you doing today? Just lying around. <laughs> was so, that was one of the biggest heartbreaks in my life. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they were just, there was a golden era, definitely, of television, I think, especially the sitcom, you know, and there were a lot of great dramas, too. Like we mentioned Remington Steel, and I totally blanked on that one until it came up. And who was, who did not have an incredible crush? Uh -oh. oh, my God. And that man is still beautiful. To this day, <laughs> he is still a gorgeous man. My mom was obsessed. So she actually had a poster of him, which was hilarious. And my dad was actually jealous of it. So they'll never hear this. So it'll be, it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. It used to make us laugh because she had in our laundry room a picture of um, Tom Selleck. <laughs> she had a little poster. And then I think she even had one of, um, why am I blanking on his name? Pierce uh, Bronson. Pierce Bronson. Thank you, God. Um, I was picturing from Remington Steel, and like I even had a crush on him. My mom and I used to watch that show together. <laughs> like, yeah, I loved, I loved that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, the one for my mom. My mom was like appointment viewing was Murder She Wrote. That was my mom's favorite show. She was obsessed with that show, and of course, it kind of fits that my mom is also love you, mom, because my mom could hear this. My mom also loves loves Hallmark movies, like loves Hallmark movies. <laughs> I think they kind of tie together in some way. I don't know. Love you, mom. So our last three three parter or three not three but top three one that you can pick is kids shows or cartoons, Carla. Oh man. Okay, this I I did not, not expect to be. I did not expect this category to be as difficult as it was for me because I thought, oh, you know, like whatever kid stuff. But I watched so much stuff that I didn't even remember that I watched. And I was like, wow, OK, I have a lot to choose from. But I did manage to narrow it down. Don't worry. I loved Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster was like my idol. I thought she was amazing. I wanted to be just like her. I thought, oh, my God, she's so cool with her mismatched socks. And her funky hair and her, you know, living this like really cool life. 
Um, not thinking about like all the trauma that Punky had gone through. <laughs> it's like it's a really traumatic life that she that she led. Like she was an orphan and she was living on the streets, and she's taken in by this guy who happens to be wonderful, but he's old, so who knows how long that'll last. <laughs> thought but you know like that's what i think about now i'm like oh man i wonder how long he managed to to stick it out i don't know whatever she she had a cute dog though that she named brandon because she thought marlon brando was marlon brandon and she was incorrect and she had really cool friends except for, for that one girl margo who was really snobby and i don't know why they, why they hung out with her i'm like why doesn't she go home to her mansion why is she hanging out with these kids if she's gonna like anyway that's not the point they also made like this really cool sandwich that like I, I remember sitting down and writing down the recipe to the sandwich. It's like this massive tall thing and it was topped with like a chocolate ball of some kind. I was like, one day I'm going to make that. Never made it. You know why? Because I wasn't allowed to because it was going to be a mess. And also nobody was going to eat it because it was in reality disgusting, but it looked amazing because Punky made it. So <laughs> it can't be that bad. <laughs> but then I grew up. Another show that I consider a kid's show, and I think maybe I'm considering it as a kid's show now because I'm sold, but it's Saved by the Bell. And I, I think it's because like I watched it as a kid and, you know, like all oh, these cool high school teenagers. Oh my gosh, they're so neat. And, and the show started when they were, the first actual iteration of Saved by the Bell was when they were like in middle school. And they had Miss Bliss was the teacher and they still had Mr. Belding. But a lot of the kids from the core cast that came later hadn't come on yet. So it was mainly just Zach and Screech and um, I forget who else was in it. And then it became like this whole big thing where you, you had Lisa and, and Kelly and Jesse and Slater. And I just was in awe of all of them. Like I had a crush on each and every single one of them at one point, except for Screech, obviously. Like. He got to be too much, especially towards the end. Like, what the hell did they do to that character? Like, they really leaned into the weird. And not in a positive way, like when we do Christian Bale stuff. <laughs> no, this was just, like, weird in a bad way. And I did not enjoy that. But uh, up until that, I mostly remember really enjoying that show. And it was, like, appointment viewing for me. So, yeah, I, I loved Saved by the Bell. And then the last one, and this is an anime that I watched in Mexico before I came here and it's called Candy Candy. And it, it's an, an anime from Japan that was translated into Spanish. So it was dubbed in, into Spanish. I think, I don't remember if it was from Spain. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't like Mexican voice actors who, who did it, but I think it was more like Argentina, Argentina or something South American, but like this, I always wondered why they talked the way that they did. And then I, I grew up and I realized accents exist and that other places exist and they don't always talk the same way that you do. And I was like, wow, what a revelation. But Candy Candy, I don't know. I guess like I was really into orphans in the eighties because. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Aaron, what was that episode that, that, oh yes, the oh, yeah. Batman. man. <laughs> <laughs> I only like the rich or orphans. <laughs> That you like the orphans, yes. <laughs> so obviously you didn't like either Punky or you wouldn't have liked Gandhi Gandhi's because they were poor orphans. <laughs> but Gandhi Gandhi was 
this really like cute little blonde girl with like this massive mane of hair and she was spunky and she was fun and she had really like interesting thoughts and ideas and she was also um she she had a very happy spirit but she had like this tragic life and she lived in an orphanage with her best friend Annie who eventually would have an accident and ended up using a wheelchair and then Gandhi was trying to find her real family and then she I forget if she did find them or didn't find them and but it takes Gandhi through like childhood all the way into adulthood and along the way mind you like this is kids were watching this and it was like pretty much exclusively kids watching this but like there's a war and she's a wartime nurse and she falls in love with this guy and he like either dies or disappears or I, I don't remember what happened but it was like something really scary and tragic and you're watching this and you're like oh my god <laughs> but i'm only five <laughs> i don't understand why does why does gandhi have to go through so much suffering <laughs> and yet she does and you watched it anyways and i i i don't know that i would have had my kid watching this at you know like from five to ten years old but i watched it and i'm perfectly fine <laughs> i have no issues to speak of so obviously it's perfectly okay for young children young impressionable children but i i love that show so much and the the opening song and then the closing song the opening one is really like happy and bright and the closing one is more of a of a ballad kind of thing. So I used to sing the opening one to my son for bath time and then the closing one for bedtime. He was not a fan of either one really. Like I think there there was one that he tolerated more than the other, but then eventually I gave it up because I was like, clearly you're miserable. I don't want to do this to you. <laughs> so I'll just stop singing these to you. But yeah, Gandhi Gandhi was the thing back in my day. You talk to any Mexican kid who grew up in the in the eighties, you mentioned Candy Candy, and there's a, there are good chances that they'll be like, yes, I remember that traumatizing, I mean, wonderful series. <laughs> and you know, I think that was the, the orphan thing. I think was the theme of the eighties, though. There were so many things with like right? where kids weren't even necessarily like in facts of life. I know they're not orphaned, but they're still like their parents. Yeah, are like, here we're gonna ship you off. Nothing to, <laughs> to do with you. <laughs> Just child neglect, I think, was the theme. <laughs> That's true. Child neglect was the theme. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> oh, my God. On the street somewhere being adopted by a, an elderly man. I mean, we really did grow up in a decade where our parents had to be reminded that they had children. Like, <laughs> so the TV, the television shows reflected that, but they made them all light and happy. Right? <laughs> so great. I know, like, Monkey Booster was, like, the happiest girl on the planet. <laughs> like, it's true. Clearly, she didn't suffer any trauma. That's true. <laughs> Neglectable parents. Um, so, so Danelle, what are three of yours? Carly, you had some great picks there. Um, I'm trying to think. So the first one that I'm going to say was a really kind of, a lot of people don't remember this one. It was a short-lived cartoon, but I absolutely loved it. It was Dungeons and Dragons. And um, there was... I love that one. Did you? Good. Yay. Somebody knows it. Yeah, I, I watched it in Mexico, except into Spanish. So <laughs> oh, that's cool. That is so cool. I didn't that they dubbed it in Spanish. That's awesome. 
No, like uh, Uni was my favorite. The little unicorn. I loved him, but that was like my favorite cartoon. And my brother and I used to watch a lot of Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry was another favorite, you know, so not correct, but um, all the antics were hilarious. Um, My brother and I just got a kick out of that show. And then we watched Nick at Night, um, and they're not kid shows really, but we used to watch Nick at Night and watch all of those like comedies and stuff from like the. 40s you know like i'm talking like gracie and alan and um uh, the honeymooners and groucho marx and all of that stuff we would stay up late and watch those and those were a lot of fun so but i i love saturday morning cartoons they were always the best <laughs> yeah yeah i remember watching naked night before going to school and watching bewitched like every morning before going to school I um, love that show. gosh i was obsessed with that show <laughs> bewitched was amazing who didn't want to be samantha and be able to wiggle her nose i tried so hard to learn how to do that and i can't do it no it makes me mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah best i can do is flare my nostrils yeah. <laughs> doing nose stuff we're doing nose we're not doing nose candy like that was big in the 80s but (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna do that and then do an episode i'm glad you said that for legal reasons (laughs) (laughs) they're really getting into the 80s theme of it so (laughs) i've mentioned before i've never liked cartoons i'm not a cartoon person i just have never gotten to them as a kid i would really didn't watch them there were a couple that i kind of would watch so i was like this this i'm gonna have nothing for this list But I wasn't thinking that kids shows, it's not just cartoons. And so I actually did. And number one is Pee-wee's Playhouse. It's number one. And what I loved about this show as a kid was Pee-wee Herman was so weird and unique. And um, rest in peace, Paul Rubens. But Pee-wee Herman was so interesting, unique, different, weird. And so were all the people in his show. And I think as someone who I was felt very, I was teased a lot as a kid. I was extremely shy as a kid and felt very much like an outsider. And so this show for me, it seemed tailor-made for kids that felt like outsiders. And so that's why I loved this show. And it was so weird and odd and unique and different. And I hadn't seen anything like that on television before. And all the movies also were great. And it was just, that was like appointment television kind of thing. And I, I loved, loved, loved that show. And Pee Wee Herman, I don't think a lot of people realize how big Pee Wee was for kids in the 80s. It was like, I mean, that's why it was so, a lot of us were just so heartbroken when Paul Rubens died and stuff. And sadly, you know, Paul Rubens was, uh, you know, criticized and critiqued when he didn't need to be for you know, because he was living in that peewee shadow and then, you know, that whole thing with the adult theater that he was in, which he's an adult. Okay, he was an adult theater. It was He wasn't doing anything against the law, really. I mean, I guess it is. Thank you. Still, it's not against, it's not with a minor. But that made me so mad. You know, you know right? Why can't he do this He didn't thing? do anything other than a million other men have done in the same Yes, place. he just happened Hello. to be famous while doing it. Yes. Right. It's just... Uh, yeah, it always pissed me off. And then, you know, Nickelodeon kind of became a, a big thing in the 80s. And Nickelodeon would show a lot of these shows like, you know, and one of them was Double Dare. And it was like, it was a it was a game show. But you had 
you would get, you know, like there was slime, there was like lots of like things that you had to do that were kind of gross out. And you didn't realize until later, the host of that show had um, like was really had a huge case, like OCD, had a lot of OCD stuff and, and said that was a really hard show for him to do because all this stuff that would happen on there was really hard for his illness. And so I think about that now. I'm like, oh, that poor, poor guy. But I mean, I know he was paid well, but still, that does, that's still, that's got to be really hard when you've got that and you're dealing with all of this stuff. And like, he would be like, you know, I'd have to wash my hands a lot afterwards and take a shower. And I believe I could be misquoting him here, but I know he came out later and said that. But that was still like, that was such a fun show because I loved game shows as a kid, but that one was fun because it was like the kids were like the stars of the game show. And so it made it a lot more um, enjoyable to watch. And then another one that was on a Nickelodeon. And this was like a show, I think about it now and I'm like, I cannot believe this actually aired some of the stuff in here. And that's, you can't do this on, you can't do that on television. And oh my gosh, some of the stuff they did in that and you would say the words now. I can't remember what the words were when you'd get slimed. What were the words? Wasn't there a specific phrase? I can't remember. Yeah, there was a specific trigger yes. like that you would say, and then you could get slimed. Slimed. And then they had that really gross um, guy who worked in the lunch counter oh. at the school. He was so gross. <laughs> oh, my oh God. My God. Like, I, I always got so queasy watching that, that specific skit. I was like, no. Yes, yes. It was one of those where it was like, it was a skit show for kids. And it was a ton of fun. But some of the stuff they did on there, I don't know how they got away with that stuff back then. But a lot of stuff they did in the 80s, I don't know how they got away with it. Uh, but, you know, once again, it was because adults had to be reminded that they had kids. So <laughs> they didn't know what their kids were watching. <laughs> but yeah. Well, what I want to round out with is just because there were so many different kind of themes, I think. And we've talked about a lot of them were different uh, things that would happen a lot. And it was, I think, the height of the sitcom. You also had the very special episode. You had, you know, TGIF, you know, on ABC. We had the Friday shows there. And all of these different things, Saturday morning cartoons, which really, I know that continued on, but I don't think that's a thing anymore. Or is it? I don't know. I don't think it is, but that was a huge thing. So, yeah. Man. And you also had with that Saturday morning cartoons, then you had Saved by the Bell joined that whole thing too. So yeah. So are there any, is there anything you want to say about the general themes of 80s television, Carla? There were so many interesting, weird things. Like the 80s were really a big it's like a big line of demarcation between the olden days and like what we're living in now because you had oh my gosh i, I think the that the flourishing of entertainment went along with so many huge changes in technology because you had you know computers really becoming a bigger deal in um in homes even uh, that's when people really started getting PCs into their houses and things like that. So you, you have more access to more information, but then also with that access to information, you have more access to misinformation and to, you know, corruption and brainwashing. And you also had a lot going on in politics with, you know, with Reagan and all of those people. And I think that because it's such a big adjustment for anybody of any age 
in that era. If you're being raised by people who were used to living life differently, now they're being there, there's a, this onslaught of technology, you know, the, the Nintendo's coming out, like so many things are, are changing and they're changing rapidly. And it's, it's a lot. So I think that that's part of what um, brought in this obsession with the sixties that was so pervasive throughout the eighties where, you know, like the, the wonder years is a, it's a big example of that. Like, I think that a lot of us young kids were exposed to what our parents lived through or just the era in which they lived through shows like the wonder years and so many other shows and movies that were set in the, in the sixties. So like a, a lot of, of nostalgia about the past and the quote unquote, good old, good old days, which are good old days for certain people, but not others, but that's not represented, but it's the people who are in charge of, and who have the power to represent certain things. They're like, Oh, remember back in the days when we didn't have to see black people, and we didn't have to sit next to them and, and, you know, so those were the, the good old days. But yeah, like that is one of the big hallmarks of it. And then also grappling with, again, with all of these changes, you have so much more exposure to, to people's experiences. So you have a lot more exposure to, to what's happening with HIV and AIDS and with drug addiction. And things like that, that that are that are hard to broach with your kids, and it's easier if we put it in a special episode of your favorite sitcom. They were, I swear, like five thousand very special Blossom episodes. Like I think that's the show that had like a whole season that was on a very special Blossom. Oh my god! Like we get it, okay? Something horrible is happening to Jenna or whatever her best friend's name was. Like yeah. it was, I think it was always like Jenna who was going through something. Like oh my god, can somebody please take care of this girl? She really needs it. You know, like sometimes they would confront things pretty head on, and sometimes they would kind of skirt around it. Like I think the most famous skirt around is in Saved by the Bell, Jesse being addicted to caffeine pills. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> it's it's like trying to be serious about something for kids' sake, but not really knowing how to do it. So that's what we go with. And you know what? It's memorable. It's memorable, maybe not for the right reasons, but it, it does expose you to something that's going out there in the real world that's scary that couldn't be touched back in the quote unquote good old days because they wouldn't have put anything like that in shows in the in the sixties, movies in the sixties. They didn't really necessarily portray that kind of thing, especially geared towards children. So it I think a lot of the things that we see now as problematic, and I think rightly so, but I think that those were just adults grappling with huge changes in what's going on in their lives and trying to raise their children in an environment of things that are scary to them, let alone to their kids. So I don't know. That's kind of my take of what the eighties was about in television. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) that caffeine. I mean, everybody knows that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like if you've never watched safe on the bell, you're probably leasing the gym. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Everywhere. And Danelle. Yeah, no, I think Carlos did it pretty good there. Um, there was so many, um, you know, special episodes and things like that. And I think it was where I think socially, con- social consciousness became more of a thing. I think they were trying 
you know, maybe not so successfully sometimes, like in that case, but, um, you know, eating disorders, um, we're talked about child abuse and, and a few things like that, addiction and, and things like that came up. I remember watching the after school specials, you know, like, and it seemed like this little secret, you know, we're going to watch this thing about something very serious, you know, when you would get home from school and watch those. But yeah, I just, I remember a lot of those shows having those episodes. I mean, some of them tackled some pretty hard stuff. I think somebody earlier mentioned growing pains, you know, tackling some pretty hard stuff. And there was a lot of seriousness, you know, like even on Family Ties, you mentioned Alex losing a friend and there was a lot of heavy drama sometimes in some of those sitcoms. And I think that's what made them successful, that they found a good balance. And I think that's why those shows still to this day stay with us, you know, remember those, those, those episodes and those actors are so still beloved, you know, because they did give us great performances and they were going, their, their characters were going through things that we were, you know, or had heard about or seen and, um, or knew somebody who was dealing with those things. So, yeah, I, yeah, I have so many memories of some, all of those great shows. So now I'm going to go back and rewatch some of them. I think it would be fun to see how they hold up today. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 And some, even some of the moments or stuff. So yeah. And I recommend on TikTok, if you follow uh, a funny or die is doing this whole thing where it's like on a very special episode of whatever sitcom it is. And then they also have a whole series called Zach Morris is trash. Where they talk about how awful Zach Morris was. <laughs> it's actually really good because he did some, horrible awful things oh my gosh yeah like i don't think that as kids we realized how awful he was because everybody was just supposed to idolize him i know it's like, but why he's so mean i watched it by the bell in so long i wonder i would need to go back and just see how awful like some of that was well you should watch those tiktoks we'll have to send some maybe I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes as well but it is like this whole series that they've done of zach boris is trash and so that's how they sing that little thing and then they show an episode they talk about some episode where he did something horrible like he like tried to prostitute out his friends a lot <laughs> constantly constantly yes horrible <laughs> He was so manipulative and controlling. Oh like, he was a lot. Yes, yes. But then. No wonder he ended up in politics. <laughs> yeah, in the true. reboot. That's true. That perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Mark Paul Gossler, who, gosh, did he grow into a fine man? Holy moly. Yeah, he did. And he went to my high school. So, like, this is when the show was still airing. Oh, he, he didn't go to my high school oh. as a student. No. <laughs> Oh my god, sorry, you know, false alarm. Let's calm down. <laughs> Put your boobies awake. Let's calm down. No, he didn't go to my high school like, hey kids, I'm one of you now. No. He he went as like part of some kind of like program, like uh, the the students of my class uh, of my school did some kind of fundraising thing and we like fundraised the most. I mean, this was like a super wealthy school. So it's like not exactly a surprise, maybe pick the second <laughs> most successful but whatever so he he went to the um to the gym and there was a the big assembly and everybody was like oh my god it's mark paul gosler and to this day the kids from the kids the adults who were the kids back then in my class when we have had like a couple of reunions 
we talk about, oh, remember when Mark Paul Glasser came to the school? It's like, yes. Yes, I do remember. It was a blessed day for all of us. That's so awesome. That's that, that's like how I always talk about how Yafet Kodo's kids went to school with me yes. in middle school because they, like, <laughs> he lived out here in Denver. And yeah. And I remember him sitting there in the back of the classroom and like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah, that's, that's Yafet Kodo and all this stuff. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea who I am. <laughs> right, right. But it's okay because in his heart of hearts, he does, he definitely does. Oh, yeah. He just didn't want to show yeah, it. Yeah. And the kids, all, and, his, and his daughters remember me. They were all daughters. So, but yeah. Oh, no, they don't. I'm just kidding. They don't. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I fell deep into that fantasy with you. <laughs> Mark Punk also remembers me from the stands. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Totally. I'm sure he's listening right now. Hey, Mark. <laughs> oh, that Carla, I remember. Oh, my God. My, Carla was my favorite when I went to that school. <laughs> when I visited that school. Totally. 100%. Yes, yes. And, you know, but it is true, a lot of sitcoms especially, and of course the dramas too, but that was a little bit different because a lot of the dramas were not geared towards kids, even if we watched them. But the sitcoms, of course, were. And so they did try to tackle those heavier subjects. And sometimes they failed. And we look back at it and go, ew. But they were trying. It was like, I think, one of the first times you really saw them kind of really trying. And um, I mean, like Facts of Life, famously, and it was one of those very special episodes on TikTok they, uh, for, the, for uh, Funny or Die did one on there where um, Tom Hanks, this was before Tom Hanks was big, and Tom Hanks was on there playing uh, the uncle, who he like extorted all this money from, the, from where he worked, and he was an alcoholic. And there's this very famous scene in there where Alex is up late studying, and he's, he's going to pull an all-nighter, and he's in the kitchen because they were always in the kitchen in Family Ties. Always, always. What always killed me about that is people knew where they were. People that weren't there knew where they were. So they would know whether to enter through the kitchen or the front <laughs> door. And I'm like, <laughs> they have like a sign out. We're in the kitchen. This the front. That always killed me. But he was in the kitchen, of course, making something to eat. And um, his uncle was there. And his uncle was like, have a drink with me. And this whole scene of where Alex is like, oh my gosh, my favorite uncle, my idol, because he worked in finances, like here getting drunk. Oh and they can't find alcohol and there's no place to go because it's too late to go and pick up alcohol. So he goes into the um the the always full cabinet pantry of food, goes in there and he drinks a whole thing of vanilla extract because there's some alcohol in there. And then he drinks the machine, the maraschino cherries because there's some alcohol in there. And it was like, it's like, it was their way of showing alcoholism. And it's like, you look at it now and it's kind of like, whoa, but back then that wasn't really something that was talked about as much. And also on Family Ties, and this one is very cringe to watch. In the first season, there's an episode where Justine Bateman's character, uh, Mallory, she um, is at, you know, because Steven, the dad, he always, he worked at public television. And she was there for something. One of his coworkers like was hitting on her and she's like, her character was like 15, I think at this time. Oh my gosh. But it was one of the first times you saw something that was considered like that, like the predatory behavior, 
you know, being like a, a, a pedophile almost to that extent. They, it's really cringe and hard to watch. And I had to skip over it because it's actually not very well done. But it's one of the first times you kind of saw that trying to be tackled as well. So that was a huge theme with a lot of these sitcoms. And, um, you know, there's a whole episode of Growing Pains where they try to get Mike to do cocaine and all this kind of stuff. It is also like, you know, ham-fisted and just like poorly approached. You know, there was no subtlety at all. No. Not to any of the stuff they did. It was very over the top and it was very much, it wasn't realistic to what happened, but that's the way a lot of stuff was in the eighties. And like, you know, I mean, with the just say no campaign, that in and of itself was, was, you know, it was just over the top and it was, became a joke and, you know, the, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs kind of thing that it turned (laughs) into. It was just a joke in the end. You know, that's why there's even um, in Nightmare on Elm Street, the last one, the horrible one, Freddie's dead. But there is a scene in there that is a take on that. And it's like kind of like a joke on that. But I always remember that. Yafet Kodo is also in that movie. I <laughs> am. <laughs> <laughs> My good friend, Yafet Bring Kodo. it all back yeah. together. Our family friend, Yafet Kodo. <laughs> <laughs> My godfather. <laughs> My godfather. <laughs> he doesn't know this. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a lot of that in those after school specials. There was this one that always sticks out to me where it was about angel dust and they had, um, or PCP, and they had a character, I believe it was played by Helen Hunt, this woman, and she took it and she jumped out of this window. <laughs> it's like two stories and she landed and she took this piece of glass and she started cutting on herself. And it was like, and I was so terrified when I watched this episode. And I remember I wrote in my diary, um, I went, oh my gosh, because my dad smoked. And I was like, I wonder if my dad's going to end up doing drugs because he smokes cigarettes. (laughs) Oh my God. Because yes, logic the real gateway drug. Logically, nicotine leads. Gateway. Yeah, nicotine leads to you doing PCP. I mean, I've always heard this from the scientific community. Always, yes. but they tried to make it out to be like that. Like, if you did any drug, you're going to end up shooting heroin. It's like. So they did over exaggerate everything, but you also had, you know. 80s was such a decade of greed, really, and excess. And But people also forget the 80s was a very hard decade for a lot of people. People, you know, a lot of people were living um, in poverty and a lot, you know, it wasn't like great for everybody. And a lot of that is because of Ronald Reagan. I mean, honestly, we would not have a lot of stuff we have now without Ronald Reagan. A lot of the issues we have is from Ronald Reagan. There's another great TikTok account. I'll have to link it. And he has a whole series basically saying you can blame Ronald Reagan for everything that is wrong with this country. And it's a fantastic series. And he goes through every single thing, like why you can blame this on Ronald Reagan and this on Ronald Reagan and that. And I think people romanticize Ronald Reagan way too much because, you know, he was horrible, horrible human being. So and did horrible, horrible things to people and to this country. And he's responsible for a lot of death, um, you know. So not to bring it all down here, but 
But I think that was sort of something that wasn't as reflected sometimes in television. I think some television shows tried to do it, and, but it wasn't always that case. And then, and then the other thing I want to mention, since we mentioned so many of these shows, is the level of copaganda in the 80s. Holy moly. <laughs> that was like, oh my God, yes. I mean, like with 21 Jump Street. Yes. Alone. Just the way that so many kids were like, cops are cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. They're hot and they're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, just like, what, what was it? Um, there was a, a, like a pastry. It's the pastry of Hot Pockets that are hot, that they're so hot, they're cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. See, this is why we need to do our, <laughs> we're going to do our live stream reaction to commercials from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh. Because it would be amazing. (laughs) But yeah, the level of that was through the roof. Yeah, especially when you're taking a show like 21 Jump Street, which is marketed towards young to preteens, really, too. And so it's like, let's get them while they're young, thinking that cops are like these cops and they're really cool and you can hang out with them. And if you're in high school, you should not be hanging out with. (laughs) Three-year-old men. (laughs) Okay, let's just say that right now. It's okay. He's only twenty-two. Yeah, Yeah. he's only (laughs) twenty-two. He's practically a teenager. Yeah, that was also a thinking back then. Was stuff like that really wasn't that big of? It was a big deal, but the way it was portrayed wasn't a big deal. Yeah, right. It's very disturbing. So many cool teachers. There was like a plethora of cool teacher yes. characters and not enough caution to the kids about, hey, if a teacher is actively trying to like get you to see your parents as uncool and kind of mean to you when they're really not, maybe they don't have the best motives at heart. That's very true. <laughs> Could be a red flag. I don't know. <laughs> so true. And then you took that into the nineties with um Dawson's Creek and having Pacey. God, and yes. And it was treated like an okay thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like he was the hero for it. Like it's totally fine. Ah, yeah. So while we love this, there of course is stuff that you look at and cringe at, but it's still there is still holds a special place in my heart in a lot of these shows and a lot of these actors that we now love too that started there and you had people that guest star too like you had of course famously leonardo dicaprio back when he was like closer to the age of the people that he dates you would have him on there he's such a problematic oh my god god yes oh my god. it really is troubling when you look at the fact that once someone becomes 25 it's like I am age anymore. It's so creepy. So like weird. it's so it's creepy. So weird. Oh, Leo, I'm what not a fan. It's, what are you doing, buddy? Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for, to yeah, thank you, Carla, Danelle, and Tiff for joining me. I really appreciate it. And we are going to play. I don't know. Did, did I know Tiff did hers already? Did you do one, Danelle? Six degrees of Finn? No. Okay, that's fine. Um, so mine is very quick and easy. <laughs> I was going to say something really. <laughs> uh, so 
my very first love, George Clooney. Uh, and the way I became, I fell for George Clooney was facts of life. That was, that's how long I've loved George Clooney. And so George Clooney was, of course, in facts of life. Yes, the hair. And I still to this day maintain, even though this wasn't a true thing, this is one of those Mandela effect things. But I always thought that him and Joe were like, were like together, but that was not true. But I always had this thing in my mind that they were. But anyway, so George Clooney was in Facts of Life and George Clooney was in a show that we are probably going to hear about next week, ER. And who had a little guest appearance there? Well, everybody in the world that was in acting at that time. But Finn Whitrock did too. So, and then another little fun one I thought of when you were talking about fame is um, fame, of course, with the Juilliard talk as well. Uh, Finn Whitrock went to Juilliard. So there's another little tie in. And maybe it's because he watched fame. Let us know, Finn. Reach out. Let me know. You got accepted there twice too. So, you know, reach out. Let us know if fame meant a lot. Just send Aaron a little message. Yeah, DM me. Okay. So I'm going to stop talking now before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and wrap up and I'm going to have my panelists let everybody know where they can be found and where their writing and photography can be found. Carla from Bedwetter Behead. Thank you, Erin. You can find my podcast, which I co-host with frequent panelist Meg, also a sexy lady. Uh, the, the podcast is not called Also a, Se a Sexy Lady. It, it's called Bedwetter Behead. Let's not get confused. Although maybe we should start a podcast that's called that. Also a Sexy Lady. <laughs> hey, Aaron, do you have time for a fourth podcast? We'll just talk about saxophone. Okay. We're going to shelve that. We're going to shelve that for now, but we'll come back to it. But anyway, Bedwetter Behead podcast can be found wherever you get your delicious, nutritious podcasts. And also your junk food ones, because we cover everything. You can find our, our online presence on Twitter and on Instagram and on TikTok. I still haven't deleted, deleted the Facebook page because I've gotten lazy. But look for Bedwetter Behead podcast. We will pop up. You will follow us, right? Right? And say hi and stuff. You can also find me, my art, my musings at Carla Demis on Instagram and TikTok and my website, carlademis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. Yeah. I was wondering, jazz hands. <laughs> Spear fingers. <laughs> and Danelle. I don't know if I can be nearly as cool as Carla, but <laughs> you can find me on the Instagrams with uh, Draven Pearl is my name there. So that's Draven Pearl. Um, that's where I hang out probably the most where you'll find me. I do have a TikTok um, under Draven Pearl as well. So say hi if you want. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so, so much. Um, and I wanted to mention really quickly, and I might edit this out, but I was thinking of another sticker we should do in honor of Carla. It's a mediocre white dude thing. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I wrote that down while you earlier and I get mean to bring it up, but that that should be like my solo podcast. <laughs> it's a mediocre white guy thing. Part of the it's a fandom thing universe. Yes, you should do that. I want you to do that now. <laughs> Me too. I'm voting for this. Carla, you're doing it. <laughs> oh my God, this would be amazing. I think this would be amazing. And I can bring people on to talk about my favorite mediocre white dudes. Yes. I thought, okay, 
Carla is doing this now, we have decided. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the Oh my just God. decided it's happening. Sorry, Carla. <laughs> Don't be sorry for like the best idea I've ever heard. This would, I think yes. this would be a very popular podcast. I'm not even kidding. I'm using this. <laughs> I mean, considering the fact that, that, um, mediocre white guys get voted into into government positions all the time and that they still inexplicably dominate entertainment and pop culture. I think there's plenty of an audience for people who are, you know, guiltily or not into mediocre white guys. So I think it has legs. I do too. Yeah, I wrote that down a long time ago and I was like, I've got to remember to tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I am in love with this idea. That is brilliant. <laughs> Um, but until that podcast is around, you have us, you have Bedwetter Behead, you have my streaming bubble, you you have the upcoming It's a Dean thing, you have to win it to win it. Um, so yeah, I'm cutting myself off at three podcasts right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right now. I like them right now. <laughs> 2025 will be your seventh podcast dropping. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pop rocks thing um i don't know <laughs> it's a mike myers uh merch thing just it's a mike myers thing i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah she totally lit up when you said that like, I know. <laughs> like what? it can be a limited run podcast a limited you know series where you just talk about each of your collectibles <laughs> That'll be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this sticker. You'll <laughs> oh be like, wow, okay. It could be a micro podcast, like five minute episodes. Yeah, oh, that's true. That would be easy to do. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, little See? mini little mini podcast thing. That would yes. be kind of little bite size. Yes, I I'm actually uh for just to let viewers know, I am wearing a micro sweatshirt right now that says killing it since 1978 it's one of my favorite sweatshirts ever and yes michael myers is my horror comfort character so yes but you know who also loves horror and i don't know if we'll ever do it's a fergie thing i don't know that'd be an interesting show to do <laughs> i guess <laughs> it's a fergie thing but you want to follow fergie the dog on uh tiktok at Schroeder and Fergs, that's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. I've tried to become a lot more active there, so hopefully you'll see a lot more stuff from me there. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. You get great bonus content, ad-free episodes. Pretty soon you're going to get the uncut, unedited video version of our Barbie episode. That Barbie episode won't be dropping until like February or March because it's going to coincide with Oscar season. So, you know, you're going to get it ahead of everybody else and you're going to get an unedited video version of it. So, and we also have an Elf episode coming out. We also have our second annual Fandom Choice Awards coming up. And starting in January, beginning in January, if you're a Patreon supporter, 
you get to help decide the nominees in some categories, okay? So if you want to help decide the nominees for the eventual the eventual ballot that's open to everybody, you'll want to become a Patreon supporter today. So click the link in our show notes or click the supporters tab on our website. And next week, we are continuing our nostalgia with a look at 90s television, even though the 90s were just five years ago, but still, we're calling it nostalgia. <laughs> no arguing with me on this. <laughs> what are we, VH1? <laughs> oh my gosh. We covered VH1. <laughs> Carla and I talked about VH1. <laughs> so we to that. We actually spent most of the time talking about Brent, Brett, Brent, Brett Michaels, and uh, Michael Ian Black, was who we spent most of the time talking about. Yes. <laughs> so go listen to the that. The Michaels of the world should be thankful to us. Yes. yes. It's a Michael thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. It ties into your Michael Myers thing. Oh, my God. We are so clever. <laughs> all things Michael Myers, Brett Michael, Mike Seaver. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and Michael J. Fox and also yes. um, Michael from The Lost Boys. <laughs> oh, my God. See? number michael myers the comedian <laughs> michael the archangel <laughs> yes, we can die in supernatural <laughs> yes michael the dean winchester as you know michael it's <laughs> <laughs> a dean thing uh anyway <laughs> um so yes yeah, so that'll be a ton of fun so tune in for that and until next time remember it's a fandom thing black lives matter and stop asian hate